Hello and welcome to the Musty Creative Podcast. I am your host, Jesus Noland, and I am joined by my friend and yours, Michelle. Woohoo! All right. Let's get into the second episode of 2019. Thank you for joining us today, even though it's musting here because we've been working too hard. If this is your first time listening to us, we are the Musty Collective and we motivate ourselves to become better storytellers. Isn't that right, Michelle? Yep, yep. So, in today's episode, we're going to talk about a number of things, but our one of our favorite topics that we're going to get into is the collaboration between Steve Carell and... Greg Daniels. Who is? Uh, the creator of The Office. Well, The American Office. The American Office. The better office. Uh, I don't know about that. All right. Well, sounds great. We have a lot more segments than just that. Let's start the show. It's it's it makes me a little choked up talking okay. about it. Okay, all right, let it out. <laughs> uh, um, okay, so you're safe here, Musty. Thank you. So I, I saw that um, Steve Carell is gonna be starring in a new Netflix show, and it is based on Trump's. Sixth branch of the military that right. he yep. announced yep. earlier this year. Well, not earlier this year, but or was in it last year? Twenty eighteen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're not in twenty eighteen anymore. Yeah, we're in twenty nineteen. Yeah. So um, it's the Space Force. Yep. And there's this new show, which um, we is don't, going. To, yeah, we don't know the name of it yet, right? I think it's called Space Force. Oh, you're right. It is. It's called Space Force. It is called Space Force. Yeah, yeah it so would be it, titled Space Force. Oh, my word. Yeah, so it's a new show. It's based off of this idea that Trump had about, like, we need to protect our space, I guess, above well, America. Well, or... it's not an idea. It's, like, a, leg- a legitimate thing. Yeah, so they're, they're actually... Um, so it, the whole topic is, like, um, the show is about a real workplace, and it's about these workers in an office but they're working towards creating this space force to help protect satellites and different things like that well yeah and you know just to go to talk about the real space force division for a quick second of our military we just want to say we really respect the u.s military thank you to all the men and women who serve um but this is personally i think it's one of trump's best um resolutions, propositions, executions, whatever you want to call it. I think it's actually really cool. I'm surprised we never had this in the first place. (laughs) Anyways, having a Space Force is amazing. And it's not just protect our satellites from, like, let's say, China's missiles or Russian, you know, astronauts or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But 
You never know. There could be some alien force that invades us. Have you watched Independence Day? <laughs> you think there's aliens? Yes, I do believe there, there are aliens. But that's, that's a totally different topic. But <laughs> you never know. Best to be prepared than to have someone sneak up behind you with their pants down, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, anyway, yeah, so yeah. this excites me. It obviously excites Michelle. Yes. A uh, little, little bit of openness here with our fellow Musties, Musty Collective. Um, I just finished The Office for the first time like a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, seeing that. Now, obviously, like it was, it, these were episodes without Michael Scott. Steve Carell is a part of this venture for Space Force. I'm hoping, my first question to you, Michelle, do you think this is going to be a combined world thing that Steve, since Steve Carell is a part of this, mm-hmm. these are the co-creators of The Office, um, so I'm guessing they also have ties to Parks and Rec, which is also, you know, the same producer, the same type of, you know, style. Yeah. Do you think this is a shared universe? Is this going to be something where, you know, <laughs> Michael, Michael Scott, Scott is- <laughs> Michael Scott gets gets drafted by the military to... Say, hey, you oh, did such a no. great job with Scranton paper. Oh, no. Um, we want you to manage this new office of recruits for the Space Force Military Division. Hon- okay, honestly, like, I feel like that would, it would sort of be a play on, like, Trump doesn't know what he's doing, so he'll hire Michael Scott as the the boss or <laughs> the manager. But I think it's, like, it's, um... I don't know. I don't think it would be in the same universe. I oh, I really hope so. It would so. be funny if it was. Yeah, but because then you can let, let Leslie Nope and yeah, you know all those all those people like Andy could show up randomly every once in a while. Yeah, but I don't think I don't know. I don't think it'll be in the same the same universe. Okay, well I hope you're wrong. I hope <laughs> you're dead wrong because that that sounds super cool. Because then you know because Andy has in Parks and Rec. Okay, so if you don't know, The Office and Parks and Rec are in the same vein. Mm-hmm. The American version of The Office and Parks and Rec. Yeah. The better version of The Office. That's another topic. <laughs> That's a totally different topic. But anyways, so I've always thought of The Office and Parks and Rec being in the same America, in the mm-hmm. same universe. So I, I think Space Force is a part of it. I, I think Leslie Nope and Andy could show up. I think, you know, Dwight Schrute mm-hmm. would definitely show up. And since Andy... Always, you know, he would joke around about being an FBI special agent. This is perfect. <laughs> this is golden. But I think if it is, then he would have to play Michael Scott because he can't play another guy that looks exactly like Michael Scott. That's why I think it is a shared universe because it would be so weird to do it in the same vein and it not be Michael Scott. Mm-hmm. Right? I I personally think so. It would it would be too much of like, it, it would be too much of a shift. Mm-hmm. And I, I would be like, okay, who are you? Yeah. Because honestly, I feel bad to say this, but Steve Carell's typecast. Mm-hmm. He can't be anything else. I know he's put out some other films to try and make it more serious and more like, you know, more serious. But <laughs> I know Michael Scott and Steve well, Carell are the same person to me. And I, I'm sorry, Steve Carell. You are a fellow musty, in my, in my opinion. You work really hard. But he's been doing some really good roles lately. You're right. So I think it's, You're right. it it broke that whole like he can only do one type of comedy. No, I'm I'm just, you know, we'll see. I I I really hope mm-hmm. this is a shared universe. Mm-hmm. All right. So, we have this article here from ign.com. So, you know, props to them. Jesse Wade put this out here. So, yeah, Netflix announced a new series from the Office creator Greg Daniels and Steve Carell 
called Space Force, the series is inspired by the federal government's announcement of wanting to create a sixth branch of the military, which would be titled Space Force. <laughs> this is going to be good. Yeah. All right. So what do you think is going to be the main story plot here for this group of people, right? So Corella set the star in Netflix's Space Force and co-created the series with Daniels. The show is a straight-to-series order and will be a workplace comedy focused around the people who are tasked with creating the new branch of the armed forces, Space Force, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you think is going to be the main main plot? In in the office, we had the idea that Michael Scott, as the main character for at least most of the show, um, was trying to gain his self-respect, find true love, um, and encourage his team to be the best, you know, paper, you know, Dunder Mifflin paper branch Mm -hmm. in the entire company. Um, In Parks and Rec, Leslie Nope, her goal, her main plot was to create a park, Mm -hmm. right? And she did all these other things and found friends and family and drew love while through that process. So do you think there will be a major plot point? And if there is, what would be that major plot or goal for Michael Scott? And maybe, will he be the main character? I'm sorry, a lot of questions. Well, it depends on, like, if it's Michael Scott. Okay, because true, true. He, Steve Carell. If Steve Carell, let's just say Steve Carell, because, like, he is, um, he's, um, a different character, not Michael Scott. He's his own person. Yes, he is a human <laughs> being separate. Okay, but he, um, I think it would probably, I don't know, my interpretation of it is that the government is going to ask impossible things of these people yes and they are not prepared yes and they're trying to like get away with like crappier versions of (laughs) like what they're (laughs) supposed to be doing i don't know if that makes sense but i was just thinking like that would be a funny thing quick note like Uh it's gonna be like you know i don't know if you've ever seen stargate stargate atlantis or obviously the marvel movies Uh with the you know the agents of shield division with Samuel Jackson's character where, he, you know, he has the eye patch and he's very serious. He's a very serious spy. Mm-hmm. Right? Nick Fury. Do you, like, they take they take their jobs very seriously. I could, what you're saying is, is that these people are like a hundred times less incompetent, like, in, less incompetent or more incompetent. Mm-hmm. And so they'll try to take it seriously, but they're going to fumble all the, all the time every mm-hmm. day. I think that'd be hilarious. Yeah. Now, it's also going to depend on the surrounding cast. Yeah. So who else will join? Um, see, this is... Okay, so this will, will confirm if it is a reunion kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If you do get... Um, who's uh, in, in Amy Poehler? If you do get, you know, the the actor who played Dwight Schrute. Mm-hmm. If there is, like, a, a Ron. Oh, please! <laughs> let there be a Ron! Oh, oh, oh my days! If there was a Ron in Space Force. But he doesn't like government. So I don't know why he would be involved in that. Because Ron is still an American. Mm-hmm. And he, he he could be very useful, whittling away at the Space Force's wooden spaceship. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying, I would love for him to be a part of it. He probably mm-hmm. won't be. But if there was a Ron, I just miss Ron. Yeah. I miss Ron. All right, cool. So... Michelle's definitely excited. I, I, cause I, I love The Office. I love Steve Carell. Yes. 
I just yes. love the whole mockumentary style of TV shows. It's like really one of the best, I think. So I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with Space Force. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's also pursue some some behind the scenes stuff here before we close out on this segment. Um, the Hollywood Reporter reports that Carell's salary for the series, including being co-creator and any executive producer fees, will set a new record for talent and that it will most likely top the $1 million episode pay from the cast of The Big Bang Theory. Mm. So what do you think about that, like that part of the business, since Steve Carell is also a co-creator of the Space Force show? Mm -hmm. Do you think that this is kind of like, you know, it's not really a new thing. Actors have been doing this where they try to move into producer roles so that they can you know, get their content and their brand out there further and also mm-hmm. have, like, a, a say in the writer's room. Yeah. Um, do you see this as something that could be bad for the show? Do you trust Steve Carell and his writing, per se? Um, I think I think it worked really well for Amy Poehler and the producers of Parks and Rec, but mm-hmm. I I don't know much about Steve Carell's writing chops. And also, I do get worried about money being an issue where you pay Steve Carell so much money, do you have enough money to pay, you know, the other top quality talent that needs to surround him as a cast. I honestly don't think money is a problem. Because Netflix is just throwing money around. Netflix is just a tree that grows money, right? Yeah. (laughs) But but I think, like... The internet is just full of Netflix people. But as far as, like, his writing, I really do trust it. He used to be on The Daily Show. That's right. He was a writer... On the Daily Show, and he um, he had a whole lot of experience writing on that. And then I think he actually helped um, produce parts of The Office. Like later on in the series, he started helping to be a producer on that. Okay. So I definitely trust like his sense of humor and his writing abilities and his producing abilities too. I think it's going to be really, really funny. Okay, sweet. Well, all right, that's our our take on Space Force with Steve Carell and Greg Daniels. Space Force. Okay, so uh, in this part of the episode, I kind of wanted to bring us to a topic that's been circling the internet for the past week and a half. Mm-hmm. It's the announcement of the Bezos couple, um, Jeff and Mackenzie, announcing that they're getting divorced. That's really? Sad. Yeah, it's sad. Um, Michelle and I are big believers in marriage, mm-hmm. and it's just really sad. I and I had kind of forgotten that he had had he had a wife. So uh, Mackenzie Bezos um, is the longtime partner of Jeff Bezos, the uh, current CEO of Amazon. Um, people say the richest man in the world, but they're technically the richest couple in the world. Um, and so after twenty five years, they're calling it quits. Mm-hmm. Now we're not going to talk about like why they got divorced or like their statement. What we what we want to get into is the whole idea that um, when you're a creative and a musty creative at that, you don't do it all by yourself. There's always people, a support group of some kind, that have helped mm-hmm. you um, and led you to where you are today. And so Wired.com has this wonderful article called titled Mackenzie Bezos and the Myth of the Lone Genius Founder. And we kind of talk about that for just a, like a minute or two. Mm-hmm. When you when I when you hear lone genius founder Michelle, you know what does what kind of feelings 
come to mind? Like, are they positive, negative? <laughs> it's negative, actually. Yeah, I mean, speak to that. Yeah, like, I don't know, it just... The words that pop into my head are, like, selfish. Right, um, right. Like, it's all me, I did it on my own kind of a thing. But right. that's never really true, because at every level you get help from people around you. Yeah, and it's not... And it's not even, like, the real narrative, mm -hmm. you know? Like, it, it reminds me of, like, George and Marsha Lucas, like, uh, George Lucas's first wife, who was an editor on A New Hope, mm -hmm. the original Star Wars film, and it's because of her editing efforts and other editors with her. Uh -huh. They won, actually, Academy Awards that year uh, for, the, for that film and set the tone and the, the filmmaking style of Star Wars for the next 45 years. Mm -hmm. And... In documentaries and, and you know, post-interviews, she's not even given a chance to interview yeah. since they divorced and and not even really mentioned. And that's you, a shame. And she's a big part of... Just because, like, the male-female... I think that plays imbalance. into it. I think that plays into it. But I think even to get even deeper than male-female, it's just, it's just pride and selfishness, I think, at that point. Mm. And so just, just to get a couple of facts here, right? So... Um, the the estimated fortune of the Bezos couple is $136 billion. Dang. Like, that's assets, cash, you know, mm -hmm. stock options in Amazon. That's a lot of money. <laughs> like, remember we, we, you and I had just um, got uh, Red, you know, Ready Player One. Yeah. And, you know, remember the prize for winning? Uh, the competition in that story was like, I think like, one third of a zillion dollars, like it was like a couple mm -hmm. hundred billion dollars. Mm -hmm. Jeff Bezos is pretty much almost that guy, you know? <laughs> but you know, we have to remember that as in, in, Amer in, in America, you know, uh, a legitimate marriage, a legal marriage, you are like one entity. So, anyways, just for the record, uh, they've been married for 25 years. Amazon, um, was started, I think, 24 years ago. And the historical, you know, the historical facts here are, are this, that Mackenzie, um, you know, the wife, and met Jeff after she graduated from Princeton in 1992 and took a job at the relatively new hedge fund D.E. Shaw, where Bezos already worked. A year later, they got married, and by 1994, they were driving to Washington with Mackenzie reportedly at the wheel of the car. So... This is, I just want to set the record straight. Again, Jeff Bezos didn't do this by himself. Mm -hmm. The article later on says that Jeff asked his wife, I want to do this. Yeah. Right? Will you support me? They move out of their nice life in New York City to move all the way to Seattle to start a company out of a garage. Mm -hmm. And Mackenzie's actually flipping the bill for a number of years. Yeah. So, you know, Musties, let's all, let's just remember that, yes, it feels good. We feel proud of our work and our efforts, but... Let's have a little bit of humility and be thankful for the contributions that the people around us make, mm -hmm. um, like the Mackenzie Bezos of our lives, like the Marshall Lucases of our lives. I should do a, I should do a segment about like, that in like the future. The, like the Michelle Nolans of our lives. Yes, yes. But I, <laughs> you're not just like a side piece. You know, I feel like you know we're equal. We're equal in, in this musty creative collaboration. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think um, it's really important to give constantly give credit where credit is due. Yes. And to never think that you've done it on your own because um, the way that 
projects get done the way that anything gets done is by a crew or a group or whatever. So yeah. it's not like one person might start with the idea, but it's the collective work of everybody actually putting it together and making it what it is. So I I would say like stay humble. Stay humble. And sit down. <laughs> sit down. So in the 3D game engine world, uh huh, there has been some drama between yes. Unity and Improbable. That is correct, Michelle. Uh, this drama surfaced uh, late last week, uh, around Wednesday, Thursday, um, which was kind of funny. It was during CES, which is the Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, I am a software engineer by trade, so I am already like peaked by this. Um, <laughs> it's just funny because techies and the tech world and technology, if you ever watch any of the Facebook developer conferences, F8, and you hear Mark Zuckerberg going out there, great fellow musty, awesome story, but it's always about technology will change our lives for the better. We can be better with mm-hmm. the use of our technology. And it's like, yeah, you know what? Technology also is a business. And if you try to mess with other people's businesses, mm-hmm. they will fight you mm-hmm. on the internet. <laughs> so this so, is so what happened. Yeah, so this is what happened, right? So um, last week, Improbable, let me, let me set the floor here. Unity 3D is a game engine uh, that you can use to make games for pretty much almost any major platform. Mm-hmm. So, you know, iPhone, Android, PC, web, you know, PS4, Xbox, they publish major titles um, with Unity, like Firewatch and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Improbable, let me set the stage for them, is a company based out of the United Kingdom. That was the first mistake. <laughs> I'm sorry, I gotta stop throwing shade in. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I gotta stop throwing shade. Anyways, and they developed a product called Spatial OS. Uh-huh. Um and so Spatial OS is essentially a cloud-based platform for game development. It is the Amazon Web Services or Google Cloud platform for game developers. And essentially this, let me boil it down for you. Why I'm excited about Improbable as a company and why I think in, let's say, 10 years, it'll be worth $5 billion. Is that for years, game developers and gamers want more immersion. They want more network play. Um, or they just want to be able to have... Um, immersive worlds that adapt and grow and evolve over time. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you need a strong, you know, capable network uh, to do that. And massively multiplayer online games are a big part of that genre of type of game. But it's not easy and it's not cheap to have that kind of infrastructure. Improbable takes all of that worry away from you as a game developer and you just focus about making your game. And that's what's exciting about this service. And so Improbable uses Unity 3D as one of their engines that you can upload your games, uh, you know, create your games and then then upload to their service. Mm -hmm. So they posted, (laughs) these people posted uh, last week, Unity's, this is their title, Unity's Block of Spatial OS. And they go over like, well, Unity's changed their terms of service and Clause 2.4 and making it, you know, that you need a special license to stream their game engine. They blocked Spatial OS because they took away our keys. Um, This means that, you know, Unity has clarified to us that this change effectively makes it a breach of terms to operate or create Spatial OS games using Unity which would mean that game developers who have already created games on their platform would, you know, would essentially be doing it illegally and could be sued. 
Uh, they revoked our Unity license, blah, blah, blah. And now they're talking about how gamers can now maybe, or game developers could tr uh, transfer over to another game on game engine called Unity, uh, no, sorry, not Unity, Unreal Engine 4, mm -hmm. UE4 for short. Right, so this is one thing I saw. I was like, okay, I'm going to, this is interesting. But then guess what happens, right? Like maybe a couple <laughs> hours later, I think, Unity posts a blog post. Our response to Improbable's blog post and why you can keep working on your Spatial OS Unity blog. Their first sentence is this. Improbable published a blog post regarding their relationship with Unity earlier today. Improbable's blog is incorrect. Man, that's pretty much saying, like, y'all liars. Straight up. <laughs> like, that was almost like punches Punches were thrown. Like, if they were in the same building, mm -hmm. punches would have been thrown. Because this affects stockholders. This affects, like, your, you know, the value of a company. Yeah. Who's telling the truth? And it wasn't just posted by one of their, like, communication people. This was posted by Joaquim Ante. I, I hope I'm saying your name correct, brother. He is one of the co-founders of Unity. And he is their current CTO, so uh, Chief of Technical Operations or whatnot. So he's like their main programmer, mm -hmm. like one of their, you know, one of their, you know, dudes, you know, the, the guys, the uh -huh. people. And he's like going on like, oh, oh, so you think we blocked? This is what it actually means. Um, we, we changed our terms of service. We told you a year ago that you were violating our terms of service. <laughs> and we went to your face and told you you were violating our terms of service. And you still couldn't come to an agreement. And It's like this indirect argument, pretty much. Oh, man. And so people jumped on Twitter. And a lot of people, I feel like what I saw, the feeling I got. And I kind of felt this way, too, when I first saw the news. We were, as game developers, we were upset with Unity because we all kind of want this improbable idea to happen. Mm -hmm. We want them to to be successful so that we can make MMO games. Because I've always wanted to make an MMO game. I love MMOs. Star Wars Galaxies, rock on. And But as I started to read this, I'm like, actually, you have to remember, Unity is still a business. And they make a great product called Unity 3D, which is providing tons of value to the game developer community and really has helped the indie game developer community to continue to grow. And they need to be able to make money. Mm -hmm. And I, I and I'll say this, this is probably what happened is that Improbable's business model is like I said, I believe it will be a five uh, it'll be a five billion dollar value company in a couple of years because it takes away all the stress of creating an MMO game. Mm -hmm. And so, and this is this is important because MMOs can generate a lot of income, a lot of revenue yeah. for people. And so, Unity gives their engine away for free. Uh, they they have a business model where you can you know buy seats and and, and whatnot uh, when you go pro. But it's not. It's I'm I'm pretty sure that the streaming model is not as lucrative as they wanted it to be. They saw Improbable's rise and said, "Hey, we need to get a piece of that pie." So all this drama. There's a resolution. So uh, today, yeah. So yeah. So today, Unity posted a blog. It's it's Joaquim again. Um, posted updated terms of service and commitment to be an open platform Unity blog. Right. We've been building Unity for 15 years with a vision of creating an open and accessible tool to enable creators to build whatever you can dream of. And honestly, they're doing such a great job. Like they're not just helping you make games. Now they've branched out into real time uh, 3D animation. We see mm -hmm. we we watch one of their short films, Sonder. Yeah. Um, they're branching out into augmented reality, virtual reality, mm -hmm. and the Unity engine makes it so easy for anyone to jump in and do it. 
Um, anyway, so it's kind of funny here, right? So this this one statement from the blog post: When you make a game with Unity, you own the content, and you should have the right to put it wherever you want. And that's what people want. And I'm so proud of that statement. Mm-hmm. It made and it, it just made me believe it. You know, I was kind of talking about this with a, with a coworker. And I was kind of seeing the side of improbable, like, hey, Unity shouldn't just, just change your terms of service. But again, it's capitalism, people. They got to make a business to survive. Mm-hmm. They're adding so much value. You got to pay them their due. Okay, so Joaquin posts this blog, um, and it does such a great job to set up Unity as a, re- a true open platform. Um, I think that they're not the, the snobs of the game industry, and they, they really do believe in just everyone can make a game. Right, and so they start out with saying we've we've been building Unity for 15 years with the vision of creating an open and accessible tool to enable creators to build whatever you can dream of. Beautiful, love it, keep it up. Right, then they say we when you make a game with Unity, you own the content and you should have the right to put it wherever you want. Our terms of service didn't reflect this principle, something that is not in line with who we are. And it's beautiful because Unity is so good at making almost every platform accessible for the game developer. And so right here, they, they you know, Joaquin gets a little, a little personal. He takes a shot here. He says, we believe the Unity engine business model is the best way for developers to be successful. Remember, last week, Epic Games was like, hey, we're an open platform. You know, hint, hint, mm-hmm. they're not an open platform. And earlier, Joaquin says, too, over the last week, there was much confusion. Untrue statements were raised, which we refuted. So that's like improbable. Hey, you're still you're still a sucker, and we, we got you. <laughs> and so he continues in this paragraph about we believe in uh, the business model, right? Uh-huh. We charge a flat fee per seat, and they've changed your business model over the years. Not a royalty on all of your revenue, which is a hit at Epic Games because that's what they do. I think once you pass $50,000 of uh, revenue for your game, then they start saying, hey, we're going to take some money from Mm -hmm. you. Building Unity takes a lot of resources, and we believe that partnerships make better services for developers and augment our business model. So essentially the partnerships that they're trying to do with people like Improbable helps them to so that they don't have to charge game developers that much money. And I like that. As opposed, here we go, to charging developers to pay for Unity's development through revenue share. And that's a shot at Epic Games. Oh, <laughs> it's so good. Anyway, so they <laughs> they uh, they fixed their terms of service to, to essentially say that the TOS update highlights that developers can use any third-party service that, that integrate into Unity. And essentially... You're good to go to use Improbable, but they say specifically that uh, that you know Joaquin says that Improbable is not a um, an official partner of Unity, so that relationship is still kind of sour. Mm-hmm. Epic Games got some blows to the head, <laughs> and I think Joaquin Ante did his job. Unity 3D was good. Anyway, so um, as a musty creative, let's bring this back to to uh, positivity, and. Um, <laughs> I just really believe in the Unity platform. If you follow us on Twitter, you'll see that um, I post every once in a while, you know, small game bites of game development bites and, and videos and, and pictures. And mm-hmm. I retweet a lot of indie game developers out there because I just yeah. really believe in the platform. I'm learning the skills and hoping to to release a game for you musties to play very soon. But um, the whole thing is this, is that remain true to yourselves and what your true vision is. And I, the reason why I'm, I was, you know, backing Unity up most of the time in this whole debacle was that 
Their vision has always been openness, and they've mm-hmm. they've done it from the very beginning. They've given away an engine that was free. They've put up the best tutorials mm-hmm. um, for you to learn, and they have a really awesome game development community that has spun out a lot of great indie games. Mm-hmm. So I'm very proud of Unity for what they've done. Anyways, that's the show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Michelle, have you had a good time? Yes, I have. Sweet. I have had two. I've, I've learned about the dramas of game development, yes, which I man. didn't know. <laughs> nerds, nerds be finding each other on, online. <laughs> Anyways, and uh, so follow us. Give us a review if you really like the show. Mm-hmm. Continue to subscribe to us. Thank you to our Musty Collective. We love you, mm-hmm. and we support you in your Musty Creative efforts. Please follow us on Twitter at Musty Creative or on Instagram at The Musty Creative. Um, and also, give us a review and uh, a rating, please, on iTunes. Mm-hmm. We would really appreciate that. Yes. Follow us on po- Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and, uh, you know, that's pretty much it. So I guess it's time to... Take a shower? Yes, and <laughs> shower up. Oh, yes. <laughs>